Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Hockey News Podcast. Welcome back to the Hockey News Podcast, presented by McKenney and BetMGM. I'm Mike Stevens. Sitting across from me is Ryan Kennedy. Ryan, how are you doing on this lovely Tuesday? I am doing fantastic. Mm-hmm. I was listening to all our new podcasts on the weekend. OHL, QMJHL, WHL, NCAA slash USHL. we got more coming on top of the main one. Podcasts everywhere. It's a podcast armada. It's very exciting. Ah, man, I didn't even know there were... There, there were as many topics to cover with that many podcasts. It's crazy. How many words in the English language can be spoken at one time? It's nuts. Um, but they're all very high-quality stuff. I'm on one of them. That's Check right. it out. Um, on top of that with staff and graph and all that, it would be great. Ryan, lots of, like, we're, we're like two weeks into the season. Lots of stuff is happening. Lots of players off to great. We talked about it last week. You know, Lots of players off to great hot starts, some off to slow starts. And we're like not even 10 games into the season yet, and some teams are either thriving like crazy and looking and, and looking extremely extreme, like looking basically like completely different versions of themselves from last year. And then there are some just like unmitigated disasters. Yes. Um, there, it seems like every year there's always like just, you know how like on, on Twitter, it's like the main, there's a main twi- character on Twitter every yes. day and the main goal is you, to not be that person. Exactly. Every single season within the first 10 games, there always seems to be a main character team. Last year was Arizona yep. uh, with all that stuff. This year, it's Vancouver Canucks. We're going to get into that. Talk about the debacle. Um, but why don't we just hop right into it with, with some positive stuff. Totally. The Buffalo Sabres, man. The Buffalo Sabres. No pun intended. They're a wagon. They're on a stampede. They're on a rampage. They are. Um, they're doing fantastic. Rasmus Dahlin has got five goals in five games, eight points in total. He is averaging 24 and a half minutes per night, starting only 31.3% of his shifts in the offensive zone and is still well over a point per game. This guy is... I mean, it, it, like uh, we were talking about this before we recorded. It's like you put the you put a, a decent enough team around the generational talent, and suddenly he's the generational talent you, you thought he'd be. Yeah. Um, how like how realistic are the Buffalo Sabers, and why? How are they doing it? Well, you know what? I mean, Rasmus Dahlin. Yeah, I mean, he was the first overall pick for a reason, and defensemen always take a little bit longer mm-hmm. to like really hit their stride in the NHL. But we're seeing it, and I mean, it, it's a great point. He has a much better cast around him, and. I mean, something that I've observed, they don't play together, but Owen Power has been really solid so far. I mean, he's such a smart player out there, and even though he's a rookie, um, you can see just the way that he processes the game and, and, you know, gets the puck out of danger and gets it up the ice is is so great. Uh, But Darlene, yeah, he's just, like, really hit his stride. You can see the confidence in his play. He's playing with an edge, you know, uh, which is always nice to see as well. Alex Tuck has been huge for them. You know, uh, Victor Olofsson has found his stride again. J.J. Pateka has been one of the best mm-hmm. rookies so far. And, you know, small sample size and, and all that. Still a sample size. It's still a sample size. And the other thing, Craig Anderson playing lights out. And, again, we were talking about this before the yeah. podcast. You know, when Craig Anderson was in his, like, starter role, yes. you know, Prime. Ottawa Senators, Craig Anderson – 
he would go like good year, bad year, good year, bad year. Like you could set your watch to it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it, it gets to the point where, um, you know, I mean, he's now 41. I, I think expectations externally were pretty low where it's like, who knows what Craig Anderson has left in the tank. But I'm starting to think this is a good year Craig Anderson again. I think when you watch him play, it's like, man, like he's on top of it. He's got all the elements. And he's obviously, you know, got a ton of experience. He's seen everything in his NHL career. He could be the guy that the Sabres have needed for years now. And, you know, when you have good goaltending, everything falls into place. And mm -hmm. again, when you have Darlene playing like he is, when you have power stepping in the way we thought he could, then that defense core is a lot better than it was last year. And that allows the forwards to do their thing. So, I mean, everything's kind of going right so far for Buffalo. And you know, we've seen them have hot starts in the past. Mm. The key now is obviously to keep it going. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, they have a coach in Don Granato that gets the most out oh, of his lineup. We've talked about it. Like, he is the perfect guy for that team. He's the perfect guy for that yeah. team. And right now, I mean, if you're Buffalo, it's just a matter of keeping going. Just keep on. Just do what, do what you're doing. You know what? No notes. <laughs> 10 out of 10, no notes? No, yeah. Like a lot of people are saying no Taylor Swift's album is, which is, I would say, a bit of a hot take, but here we go. Um, you know what seems to be the biggest difference for me between, maybe, like, last year's Buffalo team somewhat had this, but even from last year and years before to this one, is the, like, and I know this is a very, like, millennial thing to say, the vibes just seem to be really good there. It's true. Like, yeah. For years, you'd see the Sabres come in, and it would just be kind of like a slog. There'd be this black cloud like hanging over the team. Even a bit last year, like I remember they came in um, the Scotiabank Arena, and I was covering their morning skate, and it was even like Owen Powers' debut. Um, but like a, a lot of the topic was surrounding like Casey Middlestat and how upset he was that he, you know, that he was getting bumped down or potentially scratched. And there was just like all this rumination around it. Their goalie situation was, was teetering on the precipice. Like it was mm -hmm. Craig Anderson. And then I think Malcolm Subban had just gotten hurt and whoever was behind them, I can't even remember. Oh, Pekka, uh, Uko Pekka-Lukinen was hurt as well. Like it right. was just all this stuff. This year, like the vibes seem to be great. Like they have, uh, um, they have... Kyle Pozo as as their captain, yeah. he seems to be like just so beloved and as a story. Maybe not he's maybe not be is not the productive player that they wanted when they signed him at the time, which was like five regimes ago at this point. <laughs> but like he, they clearly love him, and now he's the captain. Owen Power, yes, he hasn't put up like a, a crazy amount of points here. He's only got two assists in five games, which is still decent, whatever. It's fine. But he's playing like like he he has a poise of someone who is not a rookie whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, like. A lot of their a lot of their guys got paid. Craig Anderson is, is has got a 970 save percentage. Yes, it's two games, but still Eric Comrie, a guy who they, they took a shot on, he's played more than Anderson in three games. He's got a 930. Right. Things just seem to be going really well. Yeah. You know? And maybe it could maybe it could topple. Who knows? But it just seems like after years of just like this black, dark cloud, yeah. everything just kind of being like gray. And, and monotone over there, and Ryan O'Reilly saying playing Buffalo made him lose his passion for the game. Right. It just seems to be fun. Like they have yeah. great jerseys. Yeah. You know their their arena is packed. If mm -hmm. you've seen the pictures, especially for the for the home opener, like there was line. It, it looked crazy. It looked like a, like a literal stampede. Look at like a Bills game in there. Yeah. Um, things just seem to be going really well for them. And I'm I I for one am very happy to see it. Very much so yeah. because I mean I've gone to a lot of Sabres games over the years and. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I mean, the crowds are so great. There. Yeah, when, when it's popping, though. When it's popping. Yeah, yeah. When, yeah when, when times are good. And, and you know, it's, it's a fan base that has suffered quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, whether it's the on-ice product or, you know, past ownership and things like that. Um, but, I mean, they're ride or die for their Sabres, you know, when the Sabres are in uh, a spot where they should be supported, yes. I guess is the way to put it. And this is certainly that way. And, and I would even say, you know, that they could take some confidence from the end of last year where they were winning games late against teams that needed wins. Yes. You know, yes. like well, Buffalo they were spoiling, New York, you know? Yeah, they were playing the spoiler role. And when you're a young team like they were, that's a confidence booster. Mm-hmm. And again, it goes back to Granado behind the bench where he's so good at developing young players and we're seeing the fruits of that labor yes. already. Yeah. It's you know what it's, what's really great too is that they've taken a lot of or I guess because of um I guess their circumstances they've had to make a lot of big moves. Mm-hmm. Like they've had to in in, in terms of trades. Yeah. Like obviously not signings, but like they've had to make a lot of big sort of like franchise changing trades to get guys out of there. And for a long time it seemed like they had lost most of those trades. Mm-hmm. But what really and this came came to fruition last year is that a lot of the guys that they got, a lot of the centerpieces of those packages, made it like turn, like just sort of turned the script. Yeah. They they look, they adapted to Buffalo. They embraced Buffalo, and they and they 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 turned it from the Sabers always get fleeced. And mm. like I remember when the Eichel trade was announced, people were barely doing any any uh, research on it and already saying they got fleeced. No, mm. now like it's a it's there's a legitimate question whether or not they won that trade. Totally. And when you when you consider the the cap hit that comes with Eichel. Yeah. Yeah, I but mean, even even like you get even by getting a guy like Alex Tuck and getting a guy like Peyton Krebs and just the combination of that on top of that, like it's you know it, this is an extremely interesting team. It's one that's you know you, I I know that their goaltending is has got a combined nine forty three save percentage. I know one of them, I know both of them are over nine thirty. One of them's got nine seventy. It's yeah. five games in. I get it. Yeah. You fortify that goaltending a little bit, like Pekka Lukanen, like you know gets a chance to to come up and prove that he's an NHL goaltender. Or you go and get someone else, or whatever. Like this is a team that can compete in that Atlantic Division in a couple of years. You know, mm-hmm. Tage Thompson looks like he's pretty much the player that they that he was last year. You know, Alex Tuck has filled in incredibly well. If Rasmus Dahlin becomes like a Kale McCarr-esque type player, yeah. like on that level, which based on everything we talked about now, he seems to be. You know, even like Casey Middlestat's a, a point per game player now. You know, you get you you squeeze value out of him. He's still only twenty four. Totally. He totally. was one of the biggest busts. You know, they they had, and yet. Look what he's doing. It's, this is a very, a very, very interesting uh, roster. And even, you know, you, you pay Matias Samuelson $30 million before he scored his first NHL goal. And I think he avoided injury uh, recently, which is good. It looked pretty bad. But if he comes, if he's 22, if he comes along in the sort of like defensively responsible guy, like yeah. a Nicholas Jonelson type sort mm-hmm. of uh, uh, product, man, that's an intriguing roster. Yeah, because I mean, with Darlene and Power, um, you know, that's your... You're going to get offense from those defensemen. You know, Jacob Bryson can move the puck, and even Yoki Haru yeah. uh, can move the puck as well. You know, Samuelson fits a particular role. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and again, you know, he's a he's a character guy. Um, he can he can be a young leader for you as well. So, just culturally, I think it works very well. And yeah, you're right. I mean, a couple of guys with chips on their shoulders, yeah. and uh, they're making the opposition pay right now. You know what's really important in the NHL is roster pillars. You know, mm-hmm. like like depth is obviously really important, but the, the pillars, the foundation upon which that depth sort of rests. Mm. And I think that they have them. You know, like you have a Tage Thompson and Alex Tuck. Uh, you know, even like like young guys that are coming up, like uh, 
like JJ Paterka, mm-hmm. you know, like Jack Quinn, yep. uh, like Peyton Krebs, you know, guys like uh, uh, Tage, I already said Tage Thompson, but guys like that, you have those, the pillar on offense. You have a top four that is now anchored by one of, uh, one pair is Rasmus, um, Rasmus, Darlene. I was yeah. about to say Sandine. Ras, uh, Rasmus Darlene and then Owen Power right yeah. below it. Like, it's perfect. That's an incredible one-two punch. If they, if, yeah. if one seems to be already evolved into the potential that he could, the other one is like, you know, one of the best, if not the best sort of prospect you want to consider in the NHL right now. Mm. I mean, and then, and then in terms of goaltending, they need that last extra pillar there. But, I mean, after that, it's just gravy. you got to fill in the rest of the spots. But it seems like they have really good supports. And, you know, like as much as um, as Kevin Adams, like the GM, hasn't acquired a lot of those players, he's acquired some of them. Yeah. Um, but he seems to be smart. He's locked up the ones he needed to. Like I, I thought Kevin Adams seemed like a yes man in the uh, in in the Pakula family. Like he'd been there forever. He's former player, all that. I've been pleasantly surprised by him, and I think he deserved yeah. that contract extension he's got. Man, Buffalo is very intriguing team. Certainly are, and they should compete for a playoff spot this year. This they, year, huh? If they fall short, that's fine. Yeah. But they should be competing with the likes of Detroit. And, yeah. You know, Ottawa hasn't gotten off to the best start, but I think Ottawa, you know, if they're healthy, then um, they can compete as well. But they should at least compete for a spot. And yes. like, I would like to see them playing important games at the end of the season. If say, they yeah. fall short, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure they will be disappointed, but that's the step right now is be in the mix. Yes, like be playing, you know, like winner, you know, basically must win games in late April. Exactly. Or, or sorry, early April, I guess. Yeah. doesn't go. Yeah. That's fantastic. All right. You know what? I'm going to do a little bit of flip the script here because I think we should save the biggest one for potentially the last, like the biggest topic that I think is going to be the longest conversation we okay. have for the last. Let's go into Phil Kessel. Okay. My favorite player. I will, like, the reason, here's the thing, and I want to make it very clear. Phil Kessel, by the way, tied the Ironman record last night, 989 consecutive games. In the NHL, that's unheard of. That's bleeping incredible. Yeah. Like, you, you know, you, you have guys who, like Dustin Penner freaking blew out his back by eating pancakes one morning. You know, like things happen. Yeah. I, I got out of bed, I stubbed my toe yesterday, it took me out for like an hour, okay? Right. Like, people, things happen in the course of people's lives that make them miss their jobs, no matter how dedicated they are. Yeah. Phil Kessel has not missed a day of work, or at least a, a game of work, since uh, I think it was thir- since in over 13 years. Yep, 13 years. Neither of your kids are old enough to be alive when Phil Kessel was uh, uh, was missing games. That is correct. It's insane. And Kessel's my favorite player. He's the reason why I have 81 in my Twitter handle that I cannot change now. Nice. Uh, you know, he is he, he is my number on you know on NHL ESHL. Uh, he was my number in minor hockey. I always had to pay a little extra. Um, out of my own allowance to get a custom jersey with 81 <laughs> on the back because numbers didn't go up that high. Um, you know, he's, he's my favorite player. I was there for his debut in Toronto when, against Detroit when he scored. Um, and, uh, and I'm always going to love him. And it's just awesome to see that, he, uh, that he's about to set the Ironman record. And I am extremely annoyed that he got, his, that he got a goal taken off the board uh, during the game last night when he, set, when he was going to set the Ironman streak. It sucks, but man, what a, what a guy Phil Kessel is. Yeah, and you know, uh, at the the Players Media Tour uh, at the end of the summer in uh, Las Vegas or Henderson to be mm-hmm. specific, um, you know, we were asking a lot of players about Phil Kessel because so many of his former teammates and current teammates they all have these stories about Kessel. What a great guy he is in the room. I mean, he's universally loved in mm-hmm. the NHL. But also just what an athletic freak he is. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, we've, because of the Ironman streak, we're getting a lot of these stories. But, you know, 
guys just telling us like, you know, like his vertical leap is mm-hmm. incredible. Like you would not believe it. And I know, you know, we did a story years ago um, that Ken Campbell wrote that's saying like, you know, Phil Kessel's wrists, like yeah. the amount he can curl is just like sublime. And, and it goes a long way to explain why he has such a wicked release mm-hmm. on his shot. So stick flex is a big important. He's, stick he, flex big as well. He literally has like a 50 flex on his stick, which is like wow. something that a child uses. Like exactly. not kidding. Like he is, everyone has said like his stick is basically like a, like a bendy straw. Like it's, it's Amazing. ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, but if you can manipulate it properly, yeah. then you see why Phil Kessel has been so successful. And uh, yeah, just like on a personal note, uh, one of the highlights for me is I got Phil Kessel to laugh in a media scrum at the All-Star game years ago when at the All-Star game when they were doing the draft and he got traded for Tyler Sagan, yeah. that was like the big it, that, joke. One of the only times when the NHL has been like in on the joke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so Kessel comes out for his scrum afterwards and I asked him um, in, in my sort of deadpan way, do you think we'll have to wait years to see if this trade pays off for, you know, whatever team? And he actually <laughs> laughed. So I still have that That's a good one, on Ryan. my phone. Uh, I kept that because I was like, I made Phil Kessel laugh. That's a good one, Ryan. You know what? I would... In terms of the hierarchy that people I would want to make laugh, I would take like Phil Kessel's number one, just above my my the love of my life and my future wife Florence Pugh. No. Um, I would t- I would rather have Philip J. Kessel laugh at one of my jokes than the lovely Florence Pugh. Uh, she's look, Phil Kessel is just it's awesome. Like he like he's just what I love about him is in this in this grand scheme NHL you know industry complex, he has never for one second been anyone but himself. Yeah. He has always done things the way that he does, regardless. Like, there's a story, um, I think it was an Emily Kaplan's piece on it, where, like, for the first, I believe it was two years he was in the NHL, he just said he didn't like the taste of water, so he only drank blue Powerade. Wow. Yeah. Like, which, by the way, that would just wreak havoc on your, uh, on your like, kidneys and on, uh, on your urinary uh, system. But, like, he's just a guy who does whatever, man. Like, yeah. he, he, you know, like, I, I love it. Like, he, like in Toronto... You know, a, a reporter fabricated a hot dog stand just to try and like smear him on his way out. And, and you know how Kessel responded? By not caring and then winning two Stanley Cups and then celebrating on a golf course with hot dogs in the Stanley Cup. Like he is, that's the kind of guy. Like he, yep. he doesn't, I've, I've, I knew Phil Kessel was my soulmate when his house was getting uh, sold in Pittsburgh. And so you could take a virtual tour of it. And he had a massive home theater room with one chair in it. Yeah. And it was for him. Probably with his dog, Stella, on his lap. That might have been staged by a real estate agent. Do you think so? Why I would there be a one, one, how would that be staged by a real estate Like, what, what's the point of that? Just, I just, just what I heard. Don't ruin I'm, it for I'm me. I'm being a little right? Snopes on you there. Don't ruin it for me. I actually remembered one other thing, which was um, there's a charity ping pong event in Toronto. Smash Fest, right? Smash yep. Fest, started by Dominic Moore. Yeah. And uh, one year, Phil Kessel came and... Everybody's just kind of waiting outside. And I gather he lived nearby. He just walked there. Yeah. So we're all just hanging out. And all of a sudden, Phil Kessel just walks by. And all the autograph hounds just like lost oh, of their mind. Of course. And one guy yelled out, Phil, I took the day off work for this. Did he care? Uh, I don't recall. I uh, doubt I he did. Laughing. I think he probably just kept walking. I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, but I just remember a middle-aged man running with a binder yelling, Phil, I took the day off work for this. I got to be honest, I don't have a ton of time for autographed hounds. I've seen some pretty, uh, some pretty brutal autographed hound interactions with yes. players. 
Um, and so if I, I guarantee you Phil Kessel did not pay that man attention. It just makes you love him more. Um, Philly and Detroit. Mm-hmm. Two teams that, one that we expected to take a step forward, one we expected to be a Coyotes-level mess uh, from last year, and yet here they are. They're both hot. They're both mm-hmm. playing good hockey. They're both getting contributions from important players, despite the fact that, you know, especially with Philly's case, you know, they're missing some some important players. How much of this is, because? and these are two teams also got new coaches, two, yeah. new, like, highly heralded coaches, one, you know, as a multiple Jack Adams Award winner, uh, veteran uh, Stanley Cup winner in in uh, John Tortorella and the other in a first time head coaching guy, but who also won Stanley Cup's assistant, Derek Lalonde, mm-hmm. um, for, uh, back when he was in Tampa, now he's in Detroit. How much of this is just them? How much of this is luck? How much of this is just early season sample size? But how much of this is like just straight up coaching? Just having mm-hmm. competent people behind the bench? Yeah, I definitely think that Coaching is a, a big part of this. And again, it is a small sample size. And for what it's worth, uh, neither team is very good in terms of possession yep. hockey right now. Yep. They're, they're both near the bottom. But you know, we'll start with the Red Wings uh, and Derek Lalonde. Because the Red Wings, uh, as we are currently recording this, have yet to give up a power play goal this season. That's insane. They are perfect on the penalty kill. They were the worst in the NHL last year. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the credit there goes to Bob Bugner, who was brought in as an assistant coach yeah. or associate coach. I'm not sure which one he is. Um, but he's in charge of the penalty kill. So Bob Bugner, you know, former head coach himself. Uh, and then they also brought in Jay Verity, uh, who has been in a bunch of different markets before, whether it's AHL, OHL, USHL. Uh, he's been around, so he joins the staff as well. So, you know, Derek Lalonde has surrounded himself with good people. And for himself, you know, you look at the time he spent in Tampa Bay, obviously it's just a master class mm-hmm. in success because the Bolts, you know, they, they won two cups. You know, they were in the final this year or this past year as well. Um, you think about, you know, being under John Cooper and working with John Cooper, who has had so much success himself. He's mm-hmm. won at every level. So when Lalonde comes into Detroit, you know, you have this team that, um, you know, brought in some veterans to help the young core, but still has some very good young players that they're going to count on. You know, he brings this winning culture with him. And for the Red Wings, for these guys that haven't seen that at the NHL level before, it's very crucial. And then, you know, and again, you know, going back to the penalty kill, who leads them in shorthanded time on ice? Ben Sherratt. Ben Sherratt's killing it right now. And then Andrew Kopp is another key member. Yep. He comes, and obviously, you know, that was a player where when they signed him this summer, it's like, okay, yeah, that's a good one. You need guys like Andrew Kopp where, you know, they can be that steady presence. They can bring their versatility and help out, you know, the Lucas Raymonds and Moritz Siders of the world. You know, Elmer Soderblom has been great. Michael Rasmussen has been great. Uh, Elmer Soderblom is one of the most intriguing just players in the totally, league. Totally, like so big. And, and But shifty, too. Big and nimble. Exactly. Great. I remember seeing yeah. him in Traverse City years ago, and it's like, man, if this kid puts it together. Looks like, like he's doing it. Great. So Lalonde, I, I, I give him, a, him and the Red Wings brass a lot of credit for setting this team up for success. Mm-hmm. Moving over to John Tortorella in Philly, I think it's very much the same situation. Uh, you know, different team, different expectations, yeah. but... Clearly, this was a Flyers team coming off a very demoralizing season. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, you come into this season, no Claude Giroux, because he was obviously traded at the deadline last year uh, and, and didn't come back. So you have a bit of a leadership void there. But John Tortorella 
is a guy who knows how to establish a team culture, mm-hmm. and he can do so fairly quickly. The fact that he had Cam Atkinson already in yes. town, I think, really helped because Atkinson, you know, knew Tortorella for Columbus, vouched for him. Yeah, he in lobbied the process. for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely. Um, so that helps. But I think you know, with the Flyers. It's that structure that Tortorella brings where all of a sudden Carter Hart is not just like under fire constantly. Mm-hmm. In and you're seeing that, you know, Hart obviously coming off, you know, a, a couple of terrible seasons for him. And we had seen early promise because, I mean, oh, Carter yeah. Hart, I mean, he was a top prospect, you know, no doubt in net. Um, we saw how good Carter Hart could be. Now it feels like he's in a position where even when they're missing Sean Couturier, one of the best two-way forwards in the game, you know, Carter Hart can actually have some breathing room. Yes. And again, you know, possession-wise, they're not great right now, but at least Tortorella has them in the right mindset. He's getting the most out of the lineup. And again, we've talked about this, especially in that division, you can't get off to a bad start because there's too many good teams and the hill just becomes too high to climb. Mm-hmm. So for the Flyers, right now, it's like, all right, we're in a good spot right now. We don't have to clutch our sticks tight. We just have to go out, do our jobs. And Tortorella is fantastic at making sure his players know exactly what he expects of them. So they're in a good headspace right now. How long it lasts, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But at least for now, hiring Tortorella has been a net positive. I think, yeah. I, you know, so I was, I'm just looking at some data for the for the Red Wings here in that they are a very young team, you know, 26.4 average age. But this is not a team that is just taking advantage of like a very small sample size. Their opponents average 9.2 minutes in penalty minutes per game against them. You know, so this is a team that is putting up a, a perfect, you know, 100% uh, score on the penalty kill. Mm-hmm. And they're they're having ample, oper- you know, that's at least three. That's an average of three uh, power, like penalty kills or power opposing power plays mm-hmm. they have to defend per night. So that's pretty important um in terms of of the flyers like obviously i think the the red wings are like they were going to take a step they have a decent team they try they've tried to solidify that goaltending mm. with uh, hopefully bounce back to delkovich and and billy huso you know but like and and as i was saying all summer like you don't sign Sherratt, cop david perron you yeah. know like guys like uh, uh, dominic kubalik if you're expecting to be bad for expect if you're rebuilding. right you're expecting to now take this step mm. into legitimacy into competitiveness yeah. um with the flyers like you're saying, John Tortorella, he's incredible at establishing a culture. And I think he's the perfect guy they need to take them to like the peak of the hill. Like, or take them right into under the summit. Because yeah. this is what he does. He comes into a place, you know, everyone really rallies around his, his hard-ass approach. You know, he's very good. Like I've been watching a lot of these behind the scenes sort of training camp documentaries just to get an insight because I'm not able to be at certain other teams' camps. Yeah. So I've been watching it for the Flyers, the, the Blue Jackets, wherever they are available on YouTube. Um, and, and Tortorella, like, I can see why players, when they first get introduced to him, would run through a wall for him. You know, he's mm-hmm. gruff, but he, he has some sort of understanding to him. You know, he's got the respect. He's a cup winner. He's won two Jack Adams. You know, he's the kind of, you know, old school type of hockey guy that you, that you, you know, you, like his quirks are funny to you. Um, but I think after like two or three years, then those quirks turn into like annoyances or flaws, as, as you call them. And it starts to become somewhat of, of, of a detriment to the team. But he's the perfect guy for them right now. Like to yeah. take a group, he, he's very good at getting, at least for the first two or th- two years, basically, of when he's on a team, he's very good at getting the most out of his roster. And, and normally a very, like a, a somewhat unskilled roster. Look what he did in Columbus. He took, yeah. a, he took a roster that was filled with a lot of these deaf guys. Yes, they had like a Panarin and guys like that on mm-hmm. him. But 
he 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 took them and and made guys like Nick Foligno and Cam Atkinson and and these guys into legitimate threats. Um, and that's what he's doing in, in Philly. You know, he's given like if you're a young guy, you come in the league and your first coach is John Tortorella, you're going to run through a wall for him. You yeah. know, like it's. Uh, it, it's pretty important. So I think he's doing a great job. I don't know how long it's going to last, even this season. But he does a very good job of, um, look, he does a very he does a very good job of, of like I said, milking everything uh, to uh, yeah. everything out of his rosters. And funny enough, our producer Connor just sent me a, an update on the Flyers that James Van Riemsdyk will have hand surgery on Friday and is out indefinitely. Mm. And Owen Tippett is expected to be back in the lineup on Thursday to replace him. So. Okay. You, know, you trade out a veteran, you get in a young guy, and you know I think just a lot of people on Philly, like a lot of the players, are they're looking forward to just sort of proving people wrong. Yeah. There were a lot of really, there was just some really toxic uh, aura around the team. There, mm. you know, on free agent day, uh, fans you know gathered outside of uh, of Chuck Fletcher's office to essentially put up fire Chuck Fletcher, and I still think that they should do that uh, because he had just a legendarily bad offseason and time building the Flyers. But with John Tortorella at the helm, I think he's good at sheltering the players from the outside noise and mm. and building in a good sort of like motivation. I don't know how long it'll last, like I said, but I think it's important uh, for them. All right. Let's talk about it. Let's do it. Vancouver Canucks. Yes. Absolute disaster. Yes. Um, so they had their home opener on, on Saturday. It actually took a pretty long time for them to play a home game, so we'll give mm. them that credit. But first four games this season, they had a multi-goal lead that they, I believe, going to the third period that they blew. Yeah. They have not won a game yet. They're last in the league. Um, they, if they hadn't won a game in, or if they hadn't lost a game in OT, uh, they'd be close to the, the 07 and fun Leafs, um, or the 07 and one as, as, uh, as, as they were. The home opener was like the culmination of years of imbalance, I think. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was really like the crescendo of just this, Ever since they won that, that uh, or ever since they, they made it to the cup final in 2011, I think it, this was the crescendo of just absolute annoyance. Because, like, it's your home opener. There are celebrities in the crowd. Like, they're legitimate, like, like celebrities. And they had a celeb cam. You know, there's, like, there's a lot of things that get filmed in Vancouver. So a lot of actors are there a lot. Yep. And, you know, a lot of people go and they, and, and they watch games. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's pretty... It, it's pretty disheartening when you have multiple jerseys thrown on the ice and and just cascading booze. And then you look at the quotes that come out after the game. It's insane. The Canucks are the laughing stock of the NHL right now. They have and and the, you know what? They have no one to blame for this but themselves, players and management. I think. Yeah, and I mean the thing I focus on right now is like the team defense, mm-hmm. and you know they're really banged up already. Quinn Hughes out. Um, you know, they traded for Riley Stillman and he got hurt. Um, you know, they they have multiple NHL defensemen out right now. Travis Dermott's out as well. Um, you know, this is a team where I, I was trying to think like, how do you fix the Canucks? And it's tough because I mean, the the forwards are struggling as well for the most part. I mean, Elias Pettersson's had some some pretty bad luck in terms of posts and whatnot. In terms of actually possession hockey, he's mm-hmm. playing very well. Oh yeah. Um, but it's, it's curious because, you know, Niels Hoaglander, third best possession player on the team, because Manko's second to, to Pedersen, um, hasn't played every game. Like, they he sent was, him they, down they briefly. Sent, they sent him down, yeah. So, I mean, that's a player where, you know, if you're playing so bad defensively, as long as he has the puck 60% yeah. of the time, then it's like you're, you know, like the danger is lessened. But, you know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my Stephen A. Smith impression here, go. but... 
I watched the Abbotsford Canucks in the AHL in opening weekend, and the Abbotsford Canucks could not play defense whatsoever. There's not help coming. There's no help coming. And they brought up, you know, I mean, uh, Guillaume Brisebois came up, and uh, Noah Juleson came mm-hmm. up. You know, you do have Jet Wu there. What, you're going to fix it with Noah, Noah Juleson? The guy's been on, like, 15 teams the last yeah, three like, years. Yeah, you know, you got Brady Keeper there. But, like, if you look at Abbotsford. Cool, keeper in the Keeper him down. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, Brady Keeper was minus four in, like, their first four games. Uh, oh, that'll help it. Abbey, that'll yeah. do it. Like, all their defensemen, essentially, are minus players in the yeah. NHL right now. And, you know, granted, they got off to a, a tough start. But, I Whose mean, that fault sort of is speaks, that? It sort of speaks to the, the problem here is that, especially with Quinn Hughes out, you really don't have a safety net. Um, and he's not even that great defensively. No, I mean, yeah, he does it sort of more so on the other end of the ice where it's like you can't score on Quinn Hughes if he always, always has the puck. But, you know, I mean, JT Miller is really struggling right We're now. Gonna he's get into he's that. going through it. We're going to get into um, that. But, yeah, it's just it's bad vibes all around. I feel bad for Thatcher Demko because, mm-hmm. I mean, he can only do so much. And... I mean, it's just uh, right now, it's like their best players are struggling. They have some structural deficiencies on their back end in terms of just depth overall and, uh, and, and guys that can actually be stoppers. So it's tough because they got a lot of long-term contracts. They got a lot of big contracts that you can't really move easily. So I'm not really sure what the solution is right now. Ryan, they have zero dollars in cap space. Right. Like they like this is as they are as capped out as a team literally by like legally by the definition they can be. Yeah. yeah. This is an unmitigated disaster of a hockey team. Mm. This was a team that was built with this was and, and the worst part about this, and if you're a Canucks fan, like you have every right to be steaming mad. This has been a decade basically of this complete incompetence. The, like the the Canucks, I believe if you look at the record, they are one of the two or three lowest like in terms of points percentage teams over the last decade. They are in the basement. They are they they have made like their their lone uh, appearances in the playoffs were flukes. They were they were you know like just somehow getting past the uh, the the Calgary Flames in I believe it was 2015 in the playoffs, and then. Uh, you know, like squeaking out a win in a bubble that you shouldn't have even been invited to, mm. you know, in terms of actual playoff wins. Like this right. is, this is a disaster. And what, what really annoys me, and if I was a Canucks fan, what would annoy me the most is that you, like you were promised change. Uh-huh. You know, you, you got out the, uh, the Jim Benning uh, of the world, the John Wise brought, even like, I don't think it was even his fault, but Travis Green was up because he was just sort of right. like just saddled with this, this absolute, just like mess of a team. Yeah. You're expected change. You brought in what were considered, you know, like cutting edge, high end people. You know, you 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 had Patrick Alvin, who was supposed to be sort of someone who's a different sort of a different sort of hockey mind. Jim Rutherford came in to be the big, you know, like overseeing uh, uh, head. Bruce Boudreau, who I think has just been thrown to the wolves here. Yeah. And it is honestly disrespectful what they've done to him here. And we, I will get into that in a second. Nothing has changed. They are do they are making signings the exact same way that Jim Benning did. They are they are making they are giving way too much money in term to death players. They are giving they are signing aging veterans who are who are limited in their skill set and they're giving them money that should be reserved for the young guys that are coming up and instead they're trying to hold on and, and and instead of selling him selling off like let's say JT Miller is the biggest example of this. Mm. Instead of selling off JT Miller at the height of his value when he would have fetched potentially multiple first round picks and, yep. and like a prospect or two. Yep. Like his value was higher than really any like somewhat quote unquote deadline rental. And he had a year left on his, on his contract. So 
uh, I would say a rental and a half basically sure. that I've seen in, in years. If you trade them at last year's deadline, you would have gotten one of the biggest trade return packages we've seen in quite a while. And instead they kept them. Um, they allowed a leadership void to form in the locker room between him and Bo Horvat. Like it's a very, you know, like everyone in, in the hockey world knows that, that Bo Horvat and JT Miller don't get along. And you can see that other teammates are now starting to, to develop that when Luke Shen is able to just argue openly on the ice with JT Miller, who's supposed to be a leader on the team. And then, so you wait until his value's done and then you give him a contract that's, you know, eight years in length that, you know, that is far too much money for a player uh, of his limited, like he's a very good player, but most of his, most of his assists last year were secondary. His defensive game is not good. Like he's in, he's in, I believe the bottom 20% uh, percentile of even strength defenders in terms of forwards. Um, And yes, he can score goals, but you know, like that's, and, and that's fantastic, but he needs a lot of power play time to do that. Um, and you're and you're not only deploying him as your top two way center, you're paying him like it. Mm. I'm gonna be I'm 26 years old right now. I consider myself a young child, a boy even. I'm gonna be 35 years old when that contract expires. Yeah, that is insane. Like, uh, you know, it's they have run this team into the ground. They've capped them out, and to top it all off, you thought you were getting a change from Jim Benning, right? Up up at front up front with with Jim Rutherford. You thought he was gonna be the czar, come in, you know, oversee things. Jim, Jim Rutherford didn't even know how long Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux's contract was when he started. It was reported yesterday, I believe, in the Vancouver province, um, that Jim Rutherford, after he took the job, he was under the impression for like, a, for like the rest of last season that, um, that Bruce Boudreaux was only going to be under contract for last year. The reason why there was so much debacle and, and caginess around... Uh, around whether or not he's coming back this year. It's not because his contract was expiring. It's not because, you know, like they, they didn't think he was doing a good enough job. It's because they had to explain to Jim Rutherford that, no, this guy is still under contract for us. You know, like it is, Jim Benning was, I would say the most incompetent hockey executive we've seen in the salary cap era over a long period of time. I think he ran that team into the ground, made pretty much every signing and every trade decision he made turned out poorly. Um, and in terms of drafting, he got a couple of top five, top 10 picks right, got another couple wrong, and then didn't really bring anything prospect-wise below that. What, like, what difference can you say with Jim Rutherford? He signed Ilya Mikheyev, a guy who you know, has already had a traumatic wrist injury, who was coming off like a 35, 40-point season, gave him a long-term deal worth like top six money. Um, you know, they signed Curtis Lazar, to like a three or four year contract worth $1.1 million a year, which just doesn't make any sense. You know, they instead, like, it, there, there are all these decisions that, they, that they've made that just don't make sense. Mm. And now, and then they give JT Miller, which is a contract that can cripple an organization. They're never gonna be able to get rid of that. It hasn't even kicked in yet. And there's already opening, openly fighting on the ice at the home opener, and then jerseys being thrown on the ice, and then JT Miller's already upset with the fans and the media about it. How do you think that's going to end? It is a debacle, mm. and if I like, and I just feel bad for the fans. Like this is, they've been dealing with this in different forms, you know, for for years, for for like a decade. It, it, they deserve better. Vancouver is fu- is a fun market when they're doing well, yep. and it's just it's 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 sad to talk about now. I will say, as big as that JT Miller contract is, that's a guy that got. Heart votes last oh yeah year. I think you could move that contract as big as it is because in a for the right team they would say if we have him on our team in our culture he could be very effective because he you're right I mean people wanted him last year but it hasn't kicked so. in yet 
It hasn't kicked in yet, but I'm just saying, that contract, I, th I think, based on what he has done in more positive situations, mm -hmm. and even recently, yeah. like last year, mm -hmm. I think he had 90 points. Oh, yeah, he had 99. 99, almost had 100 points. Almost had 100 yeah. points. You can find somebody who wants that guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can. Uh, I, to be fair, though, if you look at his numbers, he had, I believe it was 60-something assists last year. Like, 40 of them were secondary. Mm. Like, he, like... But they all count. They, no, 100%. <laughs> 100% they all count. Yeah. But there are, there were um, some indications, I would say, in, in his numbers yeah. that potentially he was getting paid like a top option mm. when he has maybe a 1B option, you know? Fair. When he is a he is a high end elite supporting piece, mm. or not even supporting piece, like a um, let's say if we're doing the Trinity of the Justice League, right? Okay. You got you want your you want your Connor McDavid type person to be Superman. You want your your Leon Drysaddle person to be Wonder Woman, uh. and then I think J T Miller is more of like the Batman, gotcha. you know, kind of like that. We're like still in that Trinity, yes. But we all know which ones like we all know which which gun you're going to if you really need like in, in your life's on the line, gotcha, you know. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, and I think like, but it's just about like he, he was on for all eight goals against the first two games combined. He's openly fighting with teammates on the ice right now. Yeah. It's been long rumored uh, that there is a leadership division in the room between the captain and then himself. Mm. Um, you had an opportunity to absolutely cash the heck in on this guy. Yeah. Like get a get a, a a treasure trove of assets that would have set you up for years to come. Mm. And now you might have to include a sweetener to get him out before that deal has even kicked in yet. It's it's a dicey situation. I don't think JT Miller is going to be on the Canucks nine years from now when when he, when that contract expires. Yeah. We will have to see. Reverse retros. Yes. They came out. Some were good, some were bad. Yes. I, I put them in tears. Go check them out on thehockeynews.com. That took a long time to do. Um, what were your favorites? What were your least favorites? Let's talk about some of them, huh? Yeah, so my favorites, uh, Florida Panthers. Incredible. I loved them. Incredible. Yeah, knocked them out of the park. And I do like, you know, because with the first wave of reverse retro jerseys, uh, I thought the Panthers were kind of la kind of lacking in, yes, that, in absolutely. that regard. It was, it was too, it hadn't been long enough, I feel. Mm -hmm. um, but this new one, they bring back that shoulder logo, make that the main. To me, that was always the play. Yes. I, I thought that's what they would have done the first time, so they do it the second time. Um, I loved the San Jose Sharks, given the nod to the old Golden Seals. That was a great one. Even though that's not a flashy one, per se, I just, I loved the idea of the reverse retro, where it's like, yeah, you know, same marketplace. It's like, you know, technically not mm -hmm. the same franchise, but whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I loved how they incorporated that, so I thought that worked really well. Um, you know, I actually, I liked the Edmonton Oilers one. I know a lot of Oilers fans uh, did not, where they had the Todd McFarlane oil drop. I like it conceptually, mm -hmm. because the whole point of reverse retro is to dip into the past and remix it. Yes. So they take that logo, and I will say, I hated the colors of that logo mm -hmm. originally. Mm -hmm. I thought it was too drab. But when you add in the new colors that they did, to me, that's like the perfect sort of philosophical reverse retro. So I like that one as well. And then, I, you know, and again, like with Montreal doing the Expos colors, that was fun. Yeah. I find, you know, with a, and, and this will be a deb debate point, because I know you like the Leafs one. For mm -hmm. me, it's just kind of whatever, because it feels like every Leafs jersey is just kind of a slight mm -hmm. iteration of the previous one. That's the tough thing with most original six teams yes. is that they're so iconic that there's only so many directions you can go. Like Detroit and Chicago punted. 
They have they the same jersey, did. just with their with their colors. Yeah, yeah. So Detroit and Chicago are obviously at the bottom there. Um, but for me, it's like I like bold, mm-hmm. and I like um, you know teams that really went for the uh, the spirit of it. And I'll t- I'll toss the Islanders in there too, where it's like it him. has been long enough yes. for the fishermen to come back, and then you do it in different colors. Because, again, part of the problem with the original one, I would say, was, like, the striping at the bottom and also the color scheme. Yes. So if you put them in Islanders colors, all of a sudden, it's a new ballgame for me. So I liked it. I loved, like, I like the teams that, like you said, like, like sort of dipped back in that, into the retro side. It's, it's, it's a reverse retro, right? And I love teams that embraced, I would say, like, the cheesier or the products of their time. Because yep. there are a lot of, like, logos, if you look at them, they're products of what 90s teams were looking for in logos. Yes. What 2000s, 2000s was, like, slick, sleek, like, you know, the oil, like the oil rig. It's supposed, you know, yeah. they got Todd McFarlane, who's a comic book artist, to... Yeah. You know, to, to design it. It's supposed to be like, don't mess with us. We're steel. We're oil. Yeah. We'll hit you with a rig, you know, and stuff like that. And then I find in the 90s, a lot of teams were trying to put faces on their on their teams. Like mm-hmm. they're, you know, like the Kings, like Burger King logo. Right. Or the, you know, the Senators when they had like the actual Centurion like looking at you. Yes. You know, and and, uh, and, and stuff like that. And, and with the the um, the Highlander, like Captain Highlander guy. Yeah. Um, Obviously, Florida's great. It makes me want to sip a daiquiri while looking at it. Like I feel like I'm on a beach. Yeah. It's fantastic. I think with the Kings... You when you have that old Big. when you have the yeah. when you have the purple and yellow uh, color scheme yeah. and it goes and this also goes for the North Stars yeah. uh, and all that like you just you, you can't lose you gotta that. lean in like yep. but, but like if you go to them you can't lose yeah I find the most disappointing one um, to me and this isn't my least favorite one but it's the most disappointing one was the Hurricanes yeah because there, especially because there was rumblings that they were going to go Hartford Whalers logo on Carolina Hurricanes colors. And they did something similar last time, but this would, this would have been red. Yeah. And they just went the Canes. It's that was tough. Like it looks, it looks like a third Jersey they had a couple years ago. I know. I couldn't tell how it was like how it's different. And it, and they already brought back like, because they have the sort of the, the lining or I guess the striping on the, on the bottom. Mm -hmm. um, They've already brought that Jersey back this year. Yeah. Uh, And so, like you, when you have the like access to the IP of the Hartford Whalers, yeah. you never choose anything else. Right. You know, like yes. you have all the time. Like it is, you have one of the best jerseys in sports of all time to draw from. Yeah. Even if you tried out the exact same thing, people will still give you brownie points for it. That's true. Now, my least favorite ones, like Columbus, mm. that looks like a knockoff you get at the airport. Like it was, they didn't even change the logo, and they have the sting. They have the stinger. Uh huh. Double down on him. He when I what I was talking about the product of the time. Mm-hmm. Stanger's the product of the time. A giant like bug. Yeah. It's like sneering at you. Come yeah. on, man. Yeah. Instead, they just like I guess swapped the the colors from the front and the the sides. It looks like like a bootleg. Mm. And then there's Calgary. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of the Calgary. Here's one. the thing. People are like, but it's the podium because there's a stripe that. Cool. If my if your old jersey, like if you're if you if back in the day when you transitioned from the Atlanta turds to the Calgary flames and your old logo was a turd and you bring that back and you yeah. go, and it's the same jersey, but you go, it's the turd. Right. Cool. It's still a turd. Yeah. Like it's the podium makes no sense. It looks terrible. And, and it's, it looks like a mistake. It looks like someone was, was designing this on Photoshop, spilled coffee on the keyboard right. and it accidentally messed it up and then sent it. And they're like, yeah. Oh no, I can't unsend it. Like yeah. it's, it looks, it, it looks like a mistake. So here's my idea. Okay. Calgary turds. For, for the Calgary Flames re- reverse retro, they should have gone with the Alberta, the Atlanta Flames yeah! A logo, but to remix it in small letters, Alberta. 
Ooh. Boom. I like that. Although the small letters, like that's what docked uh, Nashville in my eyes. I thought uh -huh. they I think their 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 thing is good, but like they have this tiny little Nashville on top of the the old school Preds logo. And I'm like, who's that serving? You can't see it. Right. You can't see it on the broadcast. You can't see it in the stands unless you're literally in the active unless you're actively about to body check right. that the guy wearing that. You can't see it. What's the point? You know. I would have loved to see the skull saber tooth tiger yes. as the main, but otherwise I was I was fine. I think it's fantastic. I mean, there's some that are just kind of like, man, I think the I think the Coyotes, look, if you have the Kachina, it's tough to really top that. Mm. And so they tried, they took a swing, it didn't really work. See, I liked it because it reminded me of Arizona State. You know what? Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and I, I do like the uh, the cacti on the bottom of the jersey. Yeah. I, the, the Phoenix Suns did something very recently with their statement jerseys in the NBA, oh, yeah. and they look fantastic. I don't know why they ever went away from them. Um, in terms of, and I think this is just stepping on one of the, our mailbag questions, um, in terms of the Kraken, yeah. So they they basically remix their their you know their current jersey like it whatever. The 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 Canadians, they they have a hundred year history. You know they've only really had one design throughout their throughout their time as like the Montreal Canadiens yeah. before that. Um, so there's only so many ways they can go, and they decide to pay homage to the Expos mm -hmm. and to the city's retro. The 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 you know the Kraken have been alive for like one year and seven games. Yeah. So why didn't they pay homage to the city and go with either a Mariners or a set Seattle Supersonics-inspired jersey? That would have been fantastic. Mm. Instead, they just made their logo bigger and put some striping on it. Yeah. If you, if you came out with a Kraken-style, like, Supersonics-inspired jersey, that would break the website. Like, yes. that would break the team shop. Or Mariner, or like Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, Mariners, or like at the, the time, or like an Ichiro, yeah. like, like yeah. uh, but instead they, they, they just kind of went, like just kind of made their version of a jersey that like looks like if the video game didn't get the Kraken rights. Yeah. Like, you know, and they have like a, they just had a bigger logo with some pipe, like some striping. Or they could have gone Seattle Metropolitan's S yeah. with Seattle in it in Kraken colors. There you go. Like, like that's what, that's what. Uh, Maybe that's next time. Maybe they're saving some. Who knows? Yeah, but you gotta go all out all the time. Like that's what the sharks did with the with the, with the seal. four California seals. They just put sharks instead of seals. Yeah, some aquatic animal sounds good to me. Those right. look fantastic. I don't know. I think there were some. There were definitely some missed opportunities, and I just don't like missed opportunities. But Fair. whatever. All right, mailbag. mailbag. Let's get into it. Yeah. Um, this one comes from. I have to pull up the the usernames mm -hmm. uh, in specific in specificity. <laughs> um, well, I just went away. Here we go. At Lila underscore Toronto is which prospect should Leafs fans be most excited about? Yeah, so for me, it's Topi Niemela, yes. the defenseman. Um, seeing him at the World Juniors the past couple of years, he feels like that blue liner, that like that modern style blue liner that can really help the team. And, you know, Toronto's defense core has gotten better as the years have gone on. Um, and, you know, Matthew Nyes would be another option as a mm. power forward. He gives them a different look. But with, for me, Niemela is the kind of guy that, you know, he just steps up. He had a monster season last year in the league. Yeah. Um, so far this season has, hasn't put up, put up as many points, but that team also brought in David Rundblad on defense, yeah. former NHLer. Former Sanders uh, legend. Yeah, just, you know, and he's a veteran. So, I mean, I haven't watched Carpatolu, but I, I have to imagine a more veteran defense kind of pushed Niamela down a bit in terms of uh, opportunities. But I still think he has a lot of potential as that puck mover that can get you points, play well in his own end. So that would be my answer. I was going to say Matthew Nice. You brought him up. I mean, he seems like right now, you know, everyone's talking about the Leafs need to be more physical. They brought up 
Clifford and Simmons and kept them in the lineup for two games to, to hammer that home. I think Matthew Nyes, you know, as, as the power forward archetype, yeah. that's what that will quell fans um, mm-hmm. right now. He seems to be what they want. And, you know, that, that's his game. He's doing fantastic in, in, in college. He scored a great goal over the weekend that showcases that power forward type edge. Good for him, man. I think you, people can be really excited about it. Um, all right, another one is curious, and this is from at ERN Morris. Curious of what you feel the apex is for Kirill Marchenko. It was fairly disappointing to see him finally come over but not make the team, but he's lighting it up in the AHL right now. Seems like a matter of time before he's called up. Ryan, this is your uh, your area of expertise. Yeah, prospects. shout out to Ernie Morris. I know him from Twitter. Okay, there you yeah, go. Yeah, big Columbus Blue Jackets guy. And yeah, Marchenko, it's, it's funny because it... It didn't seem like he had a bad camp. It was very shocking that he did not make the Blue Jackets. Uh, but, as, uh, as Ernie pointed out, lighting it up in the AHL. And that's what you want to see. For a, for a kid that's played his entire career overseas in Russia, mm-hmm. getting used to the North American game uh, is very key. Yeah. Different ice. You know, things happen faster. So the fact that he's adapted so well in Cleveland, I think, is uh, a very good uh, sign for Marchenko. You know, the kid's massive. Mm-hmm. He's very talented. So for me, you know, I mean, the upside would be that he's a top-line winger. I think if you're going to be kind of conservative, you say he's probably a second-line winger mm-hmm. when all is said and done and a very uh, productive one at that. So I would love to see what he could do sooner than later with the Blue Jackets. Um, but he is having su- success in the HL. So as long as he's happy with his development then, I mean, I'm cool with it. But based on how he's played and, and based on the camp he had, um, I, I would like to see him sooner than later because I think he does have a lot of potential. Fantastic. Um, and then we have from at N. Konorowski, what's a reverse retro jersey concept you really want to see? I already said the Seattle Supersonics mm-hmm. inspired one. What about Great you? One. Yeah, I, for me, I'll, I'll go with uh, the... Uh, Calgary slash Atlanta Flames. I okay. think that would be a super fun one. Or go. if somebody did... Uh, Cleveland Barons, Ooh. which I guess would have to be... Who, who were they before? I mean, they became the Minnesota North Stars. Did they? Uh, pretty sure. They, oh, you know what? Or like they got absorbed by the North Stars, I think, at one point. History's murky at that time. Hmm. So, I we'll mean, maybe, maybe, you know what? Maybe it's just Columbus because it's like the same state. Yeah. So Go you just it. kind of borrow and, and you know, because like San Jose, you know, they they weren't the goal. They weren't the, yeah, but that's the same state. You can do that. So maybe maybe Columbus next time does a Cleveland Barons. Absolutely. All right. And then final question is from at Tic Tac Tomar. Is Scott Lang surviving Quantum Mania, uh, which is Ant-Man, uh, the new trailer dropped yesterday? I would say yes, he will survive. Uh, he will get his, his butt beat, though, I think. I think that will be the impetus that sets up the next Avengers movie. Um, but I do think he's going to die in Avengers Kang Dynasty. All right. Uh-huh. Um, you have no idea what I just said, but it's okay. I haven't seen the trailer yet, but I've seen all of those. Oh, okay. Well, there, there you go. There you go. Um, all right. Rapid fire. I don't have a ton for you today. Only, okay. only a couple quick, couple quick ones. Um, so what is, I don't believe I've asked you this question. Have you ever walked out of a movie in a theater before? Oh, you know what? I have not, but I have turned off movies very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's that's yeah. easy. You're at home to stay too low. It is, it's true. But back in the day when you rented movies, that was different. Okay, so what is... Yeah, so like The Last Boy Scout. I remember really? starting to watch that, and it was just so... I, to me, it was just so dumb that we turned it off, and I never watched it again. The last movie I've walked out of in the theater, and it's for... it's for, I don't think it was a good movie, like, but it's also for another reason. So it was The Lion King, the um, not the original one, 
the uh, Disney remake. Okay. Uh, uh, with you know the CGI lines and all that. Mm -hmm. They call it live action. It's not. It's all on a computer. It just looks live action. Yeah. Now I don't think it was a very good movie at all. It was literally like just a rehash of the first one. Um, but with animal models that couldn't emote. Mm -hmm. So it was like just looking at a, a, a plain-faced lion speaking words at you. You know, it's weird. Yeah. Um, but like, so I went to go see that because I like like just watching movies on my own. We talked about this before. Um, but I I just, like my, um, I was doing it to like distract myself because my, my girlfriend at the time, she's my ex-girlfriend, um, her, like her dog had just passed away. Ah. And so it was like, it was basically like my dog. I never had a dog as a kid. This was like, you know, sort of the first time I ever had a dog. Loved her, Ginger, rest in peace, great um, cockapoo. And, uh, and it was right after, and I went to go see a movie on my own and there was nothing else out there. And it was just The Lion King. So I'm like, oh, I'll give it a shot, see what it's like. You know, Beyonce, Donald Glover in it, it sounds great. And then uh, I, somehow I, I went in forgetting that, you know, there's a pretty traumatic death scene where a, uh, a lion falls from a cliff and it gets trampled to death. Yep. And I went, you know what? I think I've, I think I've dealt with enough animal death. Fair. So I think I'm gonna gonna head out. Um, cute. Yes. Who is your least? And this is, I guess, the last one because we only have five minutes left. Right. Who is your least favorite celebrity? Least favorite celebrity. Who is your celebrity that maybe maybe not even least favorite, but one that like you you just like you just can't stand? Like someone you would you would swing on basically in real life. Oh, if you I might. avoid things. That, that I don't like. Yeah, which is everyone yeah, should do. Yeah, like for me, it's like I don't know anything about the Kardashians. It's just yeah. like it's just not interesting to mm -hmm. me, so I avoid all that. Um, so I get I get much more offended by people that I feel are like taking from underground cultures, like like okay. like Chuck Klosterman like offends me, or like Billy Talent like really me. Billy Talent offends. Yes, me. why? because they weren't part of the scene that they cashed in on. And wow. I know that because we come from the same town. Yeah. And they were playing shows at different places mm -hmm. than I was at the time. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Mine's so changed. that's what offends me. I, I, you know what? I respect that. And, and I think everyone should just not pay attention to things that don't uh, bring them joy. Exactly. If you will. Uh, mine's James Corden. Uh, See, he, I avoid that too. He's someone I would legitimately swing on, and in, 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 <laughs> if we bumped into him at like an airport or like a you know a, a McDonald's, wow. Um, he he recently just got banned from one of the most high-profile restaurants in New York mm -hmm. uh, because the owner called him a tiny cretin of a man, um, and that he he was basically straight up abusive to the staff. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of stories like that going around. There's a famous story where um, he was in first class. Uh, uh, there's this crying hysterical baby. Um, the flight attendants are trying to get it to calm down. They, they, you know, and and the, the woman is walking up the aisle, and they place her next to uh, James. And he he turns around and he he puts on an eye mask, earplugs, falls asleep. Baby, he's crying the whole flight. Uh, plane lands. Everyone's like, oh, thank God, James Corden didn't cause a scene. Gets up, turns out it's his wife with his child, uh, and he just completely ignored uh, his his crying baby. Like uh, he doesn't seem like a great guy. Do not like him. Um, yeah. And that's it for Rapid Fire, Ryan. Right. We had a great show. Uh, we'll be back next week, obviously. Things, this is a, things like, seems like the drama's just being kind of riled up a little bit, cranked up to 11. So it'll be fun to talk about uh, in the NHL. Tune in next week.